Hello and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Daisy Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today to speak with you. And I'm just waiting for a minute to see what Holy Spirit's doing. So bear with me. And I am still really hot up here, guys. I'm getting feedback and everything. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a good, good daddy. That you hold every single one of us and every single one of our circumstances in your hands and you care so intimately about each of us that you know the number of hairs on our head that you knit us and formed us in our mother's wombs every bit of us and you knew the start and you know the finish and you know everything in between And you're using it all for your good, for our good, and for your glory. And Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to be here today. We thank you for the breath in our lungs, the sight in our eyes. We thank you for the strength in our body to be here. And we thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for today. So Father God, use me however you want to bring your glory and your word and your refreshment and your encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in case you don't know me, I am the crying pastor. John told me before service, he's like, well, if you cry, it's okay. And I'm like, if? Are you kidding me? I always cry. It's okay. So I learned at one point to just embrace the weird. So if you feel uncomfortable when I cry, just take a deep breath. It's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. All right. So let's get into the meat of what we're talking about. So we talked last week, John started the series that we're doing on the wholehearted love for God. That is our permeating value number one in this house. So if you didn't get a bookmark with the permeating values last week, They are on the info booth. You can go get one. Um, I think I have mine right here. Yep, right here. Permeating values. Okay, so we introduced this last week. And I want you to know that the pastoral team at AZV has been praying, deliberating, considering what are our permeating values. Or another way, some people say like core values. Um, But we really wanted to get something down that would be like a filter, that everything we do in this house is filtered through these core values. Um, And we haven't taken this lightly. In fact, um, we have been praying together, separately, coming back and collaborating for close to a year listening for what Holy Spirit is saying and how do you want this to look. Um, So after months, almost a year, praying, seeking, collaborating, these are the values that we feel like the Lord has given to us as a church that can apply to us as a body and apply to each of our lives individually. Um, 
We feel like these values have always been a part of AZV's DNA. Isn't that fun? I like letters. AZV DNA. Um, These are things that have always been a part of us for the, what, 20, how many years? 25 years next month we have been a church. That's a lot. Isn't that like the silver anniversary in in anniversaries? Um, So we feel like these have always been a part of us. We just didn't really know how to succinctly put these words on a piece of paper so you could remember them and you could um, think about them. And, And so we feel like this is something that God has really given us. And I'm a very visual person. God talks to me uh, a lot through pictures. I'll get pictures in my mind. And he showed me, like, I don't know if you guys have the, those little wooden things with the screen and you screen out rocks and things like that. You know, sh- you shake it and the stuff that's not supposed to be there falls out and the stuff that is supposed to be there stays. Okay, that's the picture that God gave me of our values. Because we have to shake everything in life through this filter of God's purposes and his plans and his ways. So the values are, and we're going to be talking about value number one, permeating value number one. We're going to talk about that again today. John uh, touched on it last week. If you didn't see it, it is online. Our streaming is recorded. You can go back and catch up. I advise that. Um, So we have wholehearted love of God. If you have your bookmark, Um, anybody have their bookmark from last week? I see one. I see two. I see three. Awesome. Okay, so let's look at this. Wholehearted love of God, that's our number one. If we don't love God, we haven't got that figured out, we might as well put it in the can and go your way because God is love and our love for him is what directs our entire life. So wholehearted love of God, the second one is being devoted to one another, just like Heath was talking about life groups, sharing life groups together. Um, I have a friend who says, who's your five? If you don't have five people that aren't in your family to call when you are in a crisis or to support you, to help you, if you don't have five people that aren't your mommy or your husband or your children, if you don't have five people, then you're not devoted to one another. It's living life, the good, the bad, the, the wonderful, the celebrations, the not so great, the, the ugly, and being able to share that. That's what devotion looks like. But we'll talk about that later. Um, number three is naturally supernatural. That seems kind of like, what does that mean? We'll get to that too. And then the fourth is owning the mission. What is the mission? What are we here for? What is our purpose? So we're going to talk about each of those things in depth over the next few months because we feel like we are laying a foundation and the foundation has to be firm for the growth. And I don't know if you guys know it or not, but we are growing. We are growing through COVID, through shutdown, through everything. God is good and he's bringing people and we need to have a firm foundation and be on the same page because there's going to be people that are coming in here hurting that need you to be devoted to them. There's going to be super healthy people coming in here with all kinds of gifts and talents and we got to get them plugged in. We got to get people connected. None of that was on my notes. So, like I said, Pastor John introduced the permeating values last week, and he spoke about wholehearted love of God. He referenced Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 40, and now I'm going to share my view on wholehearted love of God. So, 
Um, the, the passage that John used is a confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees and Sadducees scholars, and um, they were trying to trick him. And it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I like the Mark translation, the Mark 12.30. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation because I really, really like the way this is worded. So Mark 12.30, out of the Passion Translation, says, You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with a passionate heart from the depths of your soul, with your every thought, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. I like Mark's version of the story because he has strength as well. That's your physical strength, your body, your, you know, the things that you do. Um, he also says to love God with your heart, soul, and your thoughts, which can be translated to your mind. And Jesus was reiterating to these people who knew the scriptures well, he was reiterating what they already knew. And if you look at Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, um, it talk, that's, one, that's the commandment that Jesus was referring to. Um, they were trying to trick him into saying something that was contrary to the scriptures. And they were very familiar with the scriptures. Again, in Joshua 22, 5, Joshua tells that, tells the Israelites, the specific tribes, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, as they were going into the promised land after fighting, they were going into the promised land. Listen to what he says. He says, as you go to the land that was promised to you, he said, but be very careful to obey the commands and the instructions that Moses gave to you. Love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, obey his commands, and hold firmly to him and serve him with your heart and all your soul. So they were familiar with this. And so I want to talk about what this means to us. How do we love the Lord with all of our, with a passionate heart from the depths of our soul, with every thought and all of our strength? How do we do that? Sounds great, but how do we do that? So the first thing I want to do is I want to talk a little bit more about God. We say God is love. He first loved us. But I want to look at this triune God of love that created us in his image. In Genesis, it tells us that we were created in the image of a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Nod if you're with me. So we have God the Father, we have God the Son who came and dwelt with us, and we have the Holy Spirit. And in John 3.16, it talks about God so loved the world that he sent his son. And then in John 14, 16, and 17, it talks about the Holy Spirit and how that triune relationship is. In John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God have always been together, even at the beginning of time when we were created, and he's still a triune God. Um, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to wait there for the Holy Spirit. So until Jesus came, the Holy Spirit was dispensed from God to certain people, to the prophets, to the, you know, the Holy Spirit would come on people. And then Jesus came. Jesus was here with us, God with us in flesh. And then when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came so that believers could carry that Holy Spirit in them, with them, always. 
So you all that know the Lord have that power residing inside you. So if you read Acts chapter 2, which I highly encourage you to do, you'll see what happened when the disciples waited for the Holy Spirit to come. They followed Jesus' instruction, and he came in power, and some pretty amazing things happened. But that's another story for another day, so read Acts chapter 2. So I want to talk to you about, we understand that God is a triune being. We are also triune beings, and I'm going to read a little bit from an article that really expanded on this for me because there's heart, soul, mind, body, strength, all this stuff, and it, it can get kind of confusing. I was a little confused, and so I would like to um, share the knowledge that I I researched. So this is an article from um, Craig Von Busek, who is a doctor of ministry, and the question that was posed was, what are the three parts of man? And the answer is spirit, soul, and body. But let's look at this. So in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, God said, let us make man in our image. Do you see that our with a capital O if you look it up? I don't know if they, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, can you guys put that up there for me? It says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So there's our triune God again. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Perfect. According to the Bible... Mankind is distinct from all the rest of creation, including the animals. And I have a dog, and I swear she's almost human sometimes, but there's a distinction. God breathed his life, his spirit into us. So, man is made in the image of God, and as God is tripartite, that's a big word, tripartite, triune, Um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so man is also three parts, body, soul, and spirit. In the most explicit example from scriptures of these divisions, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So man is made up of physical material. So everybody put your hands up and do this. Thank you for waving at me in your earth suit. So we don't get to keep these things, right? And I'm so glad because, you know, they, they fail on us. They're, they're not meant to be eternal. But they are meant to keep us grounded to this life and to serve God for his glory. Um, we are made up of things that can be seen and touched but he is also made but man is also made up of immaterial aspects which are intangible this includes our soul our spirit our intellect our will our emotions our conscience and so forth these immaterial characteristics exist beyond the physical lifespan of the human body and are therefore eternal so all of the essence of who you are is eternal just the earth suit Just our body is not going to last with us. Um, These immaterial aspects, the spirit, soul, heart, conscience, mind, and emotions, 
make up our whole personality. The Bible makes it clear that the soul and spirit are the primary immaterial aspects of humanity, while the body is the physical container that holds them here on earth. So the Greek word for body is soma. This is the entire material or physical structure of a human being. It is the physical part of a person. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans again, connects the body, mind, soul, and spirit in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. So our, our ursu, our bodies, right? We're to present those. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will, what the will of God is, that that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And then in 1 Corinthians 6.20, he says, For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So then we have our soul. The Greek word for that is psyche. So you think about psychiatric, psychologist, anything having to do with your mind and your emotions. Okay, so Genesis 2-7 states that man was created as a living soul. The soul consists of the mind, which includes your conscience, the will, and the emotions. The soul and spirit are mysteriously tied together and make up what the scriptures refer to as your heart. The writer of Proverbs declares, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. That's Proverbs 4.23. We see here that the heart is central to our emotions and our will. But a natural, our sukaiko, soulish man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised, 1 Corinthians 2.14. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you as you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're still a natural man, a soulish man, and you don't understand the things of the Spirit. It's not a bad thing. You just need to accept Jesus and have the Holy Spirit come and show you the things of the Spirit. So in Acts 23.1, Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. So he's referring to that, that part of himself, the psyche part of himself. And then we have our spirit. In the Greek, that is pneuma. Pneuma also means breath. I just love that, that the Holy Spirit is so around us. It's like the, the air that we breathe. In Numbers 16.22, Moses and Aaron fell upon their faces and said, O God, God of the spirits of all flesh, when one man sins, will you be angry with the entire congregation? This verse names God as the God of the spirits that are possessed by all humanity. We all have a spirit. Whether we believe in God or not, we all have a spirit, and that spirit is eternal. And it will spend eternity with God because of Jesus and that sacrifice, or we will spend eternity in torment and hell because we decided not to choose him. So another key verse that describes the separation between soul and spirit is Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
We see in this passage of scripture that the soul and spirit can be divided. Remember we said they were, they were intricately tied together. They can be divided. And that is the word of God that pierces our heart and brings the division of soul and spirit when things are not aligned to God's way. That's, that's what he comes and does. And that's something only God can do through his word. As human beings, we live eternally as a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we dwell in a body. We can rejoice with the psalmist and declare, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So I, that, was, that was most of the article. I know that was a lot, but I really wanted you to understand when we say wholehearted love of God, that's whole everything, body, mind, soul, spirit, emotions, will, thoughts, all of it. All the inward and outward stuff that makes you who you are has to be surrendered to him and his love. When we begin to have an intimate relationship with a God who loves us, who created us, we can choose to love him with all of who we are. We learn more about him and his ways by worshiping him, by reading his word, by praying, by spending intimate time listening for his voice, and partnering with other Christians as we complete our journey called life. And as we get older, that journey gets shorter and shorter. Love is always a choice. I want you to say that with me. Love is always a choice. There are sometimes feelings attached, but we can't command feelings. And the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Wholehearted love is a choice. Anyone who has been married for more than five years knows this for a fact. You don't always feel the love. I've been married for almost 30 years, and there are days I don't feel the love, but I still have to choose to love because that's the commitment I made. That's the decision I made. When you love God wholeheartedly or with your whole self, you slow down and you listen to his plan. You begin to think about things his way instead of your own way. You use your strength, your emotions, your body, your mind, your money, your time. You give it all to him to bring glory to him. No matter what the outcome will be, no matter what the circumstances might be, no matter how it might impact you, your family, and you give it all to him. And since God is love, there's always reciprocation. We don't love him for the reciprocation, but this is what happens. First John 4.19 reminds us that we love him because he first loved us. So his love that has been give, given to us gives us the ability and the free will to choose to love him because love is a thank you those who are listening everybody awake love is a choice when we love him and we allow him to be the lord of our lives we make that choice blessings in our lives will automatically occur isn't that awesome so in, in John 15, 5 and 6, Jesus talks about, and it's really funny, I have to share this with you. Um, before service, 
uh, Rod and John and I were praying. The pastoral team always pray for the service before the service. And we were praying. And Rod is praying. And almost every single thing that was in my notes, he's praying in before service prayer. He, he alluded to this, that um, he's the vine and we're the branches and that we bear fruit. So in John 15, 5 and 6, Jesus tells us that he is the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in him... That means wholehearted love of God. We've surrendered our life to him and we trust him to direct our lives. If we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. When we love him and abide in him, we bear fruit. It isn't anything we necessarily do. It isn't a natural, it it, it isn't um, like we have to work really hard to bear fruit. I don't know if you guys have fruit trees, citrus in your backyard or whatever, but I've never seen a citrus tree like, I gotta bear fruit. You know, they just don't. They, they stand there with their arms out and they do what they were created to do and with the right sunlight and prayer and the right, you know, water, Bible reading, the right, you know, they get the right environment. They don't work. They just bear fruit. And that's what happens when we are wholeheartedly in love with God and surrendered to his ways. We bear fruit. We don't even know we're doing it. It just pops out. He produces the fruit. Do you get that? When we do it his way, we abide in him. He produces the fruit. Our job is to abide. And that can be hard because we're living sacrifices. John says a lot of times the the tough thing with living sacrifices is you can jump back off the altar and run off and do it your own way. And trust me, I have done that a lot in my life. But it's a choice. You can continue to make the choice and turn back to the one who loves you. Heath talked about putting other things on the throne of our lives where God should be. And you know what? We do that. The getting off the the altar, living sacrifice, or putting something else on the throne of our lives where God should be. Um, One thing that has tripped me up over the years has been my love of my family. You know, your family is so important. They should be, you know, the number one thing to you, and you should take care of them, which is all good things when they're not out of priority. Um, Loving your family is a good thing. The Bible tells us about it. But I have literally put my family, especially my children, on the throne and thought that I was being a great parent by being so loving and connected. And, and recently God has been showing me that anything besides him on the throne is idolatry. Idolatry in my life, in your life, brings a lack of good fruit. It brings a death. It brings sickness. It brings chaos. In Matthew 10, 37 through 39, in the Passion Translation, Jesus said, whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not fit to be my disciple. Yikes. And whoever comes to me must follow in my steps and be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he is not worthy of me. Those who cling to their lives will give up true life. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. True wholehearted love of God is a choice 
to let go and surrender it all to him. When we make that choice, then we discover true life. So I know I'm not the only one that faces chaos and crazy stuff. I know I'm not the only one. I know there's probably a whole room full of people that are dealing with all kinds of chaos. But as I was sitting and praying during worship time, the Lord reminded me of one of my very favorite verses, which is Joshua 1.9. And it says, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. And my question today is, is the Lord your God your God? Have you made that choice to surrender it all? To surrender the chaos? To surrender your fear? To surrender? Have you made that choice? And we can accept him as Jesus and we can get our get out of hell free card and we can live a pretty decent life. But do we want the true life, the true abundant life? And that means every day surrendering it to him. So I want to end with a prayer that I have discovered. And, excuse me. And it says, God, I give to you all that I am and all that I will be for your healing and direction. Make new this day as I let go of all my control. Say that with me. God, I let go of all my control, my worries and fears, knowing that you are by my side. Please help me to open myself to your love, to allow your love to heal my wounds, and to allow your love to flow through me and from me to those around me. May your will be done this day and always. Amen. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com.